Welcome to Grace 360, a vibrant discussion on issues of diversity that we hope is engaging, biblical, and slightly entertaining. The goal of these podcasts is create a healthy, honest, and helpful discussion for Christian educators, parents, and students from a biblical perspective on current cultural issues relating to diversity. Diversity, for our purposes, is related to the acrostic GRACE, that's grace with two A's, gender, race, age, ability, culture, and economic status. But we don't have all the answers. We hope our discussion is thought-provoking and helpful. Welcome to Grace 360. Well, welcome back. And um, one of the things that has come up recently is that as we partner with parents in the education of their children, we partner with them not only in the academic success of their children, but also in the spiritual and emotional success of their children. So as big things occur in our society, how do we best come alongside parents in the education of their children with these situations? And one that has happened recently in our community was the Atatiana Jefferson case in which she was shot. Um, in the middle of the night while playing video games with her nephew. And so right after that happened, the question was, how do we come alongside our families? And what dialogue do we have with the students? What dialogue are the families having at their home? And what do we need to know? And so I want to throw that question out to us as a group is, what do we do in these situations? Well, you know, we live in a world when, when we were growing up, we didn't have instant access to news. Well, to Marcus, you probably did. Right. Um, but yep. we didn't. I mean, we would I mean, Dan and I, I'm assuming Jenny, but Dan and I, we would walk around with a quarter in our pocket or if we didn't have a pocket, a quarter in our shoe so that if we had to call home, we'd find the closest payphone. That's right. We'd read right? about it in the newspaper yeah, the next the day. The next day. Yes. Right. Our students don't live in that world. Mm-mm. Now they carry these cell phones, which are more powerful. That little rectangle is more powerful than the first computer that was ever built that took up rooms worth of space. So we can't afford to ignore the issue. We cannot ignore the the emotions that it might be creating in our students. And because we do have a diverse student body um, and we're becoming more and more diverse as a nation and the church is diverse. And the beautiful thing is that God is bringing the church to us. He's bringing the world to us. We can't ignore that because although it might not directly affect me, it directly affects someone that I love, happens to be a kid who is my student who sits in my room. And if we love someone, something that becomes important to them becomes important to us. I have a particular student that I taught in the past who is very important to me. This particular student plays a particular sport that I was never, ever introduced to. It wasn't a sport that was played in my neighborhood. I didn't know anything about the sport. But as a relationship was created between this student and I, it's important to this particular student, I started learning about the sport. I'm like, I'm not an expert at the sport. I still ask stupid questions about the sport, but I can talk about the sport and it's like a swimmer that's never even been in the water. I can talk about swimming, but you know, sort of deal. Now I am a Floridian, so I have been in the water, but what I'm trying to say is that if, if these students are important to us, and it's touching their lives, then we cannot afford to ignore it. Right, but I think I think one of the questions that we have is is as you're asking your stupid questions about their particular sport, mm-hmm. um, I think you know as the student has a relationship with you, mm-hmm. right? They allow you to do that, and, and the so, sport isn't stupid. The, <laughs> the questioner is stupid, right? But as, as we as we talk about, and and you know, we we're going from a sport, you know, mm-hmm. to shootings, right? Right, um, and and you know, how do we as a as a community? help our students walk through different things if 
uh, quite frankly, the, the questions that we have to ask, you know, may not be received well. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of people, you know, as far as educators or, you know, people in, in our you know business, it's like, well, I, I think maybe I should avoid this particular issue mm-hmm. because it's going to be uh, tense and uncomfortable. I may not ask the right question. And I think, you know, the thing that you brought up is, you know, silence is not an option. So we have to help educate people. How do we do this better? Mm-hmm. How do you enter into conversations as young people are right? Uh, aware of what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, how can we enter into those conversations and, and, you know, come alongside people and let them know at least that we care. Um, you know, we, we appreciate them and, and the situation that they may be facing um, because it, it's, it's something that's important to them. Right. Um, and, and we want to let them know that they're important to us. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like? Right. Well, in my particular classroom, I can only speak to my classroom. And to Marcus, you feel free to jump in because now I'm only up with 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. Through most of my career, I was both middle school and high school, but now I'm only with the high schoolers. Now, there's not a vast difference between a ninth grader and an eighth grader. But for me, that means that I have to be willing to be vulnerable. I have to let my students know that I don't know everything and that their life's experience informs them and how they've perceived things, just like my life's experience informs how I perceive things. I tell them ahead of time, I'm sorry if I ask a question that's just totally ridiculous. Please understand that I'm asking because I legitimately want an answer. And I have to be willing to deal with being uncomfortable. That means that I might have to ask the uncomfortable question as well. And we don't like being uncomfortable. We don't like to create discomfort generally. I know there's some people that by nature they like to poke the bear. But generally, I don't think that we are are people that like to create discomfort. We're almost afraid of it. We avoid it. But Jesus made people uncomfortable with his questions. Jesus made people uncomfortable with who he hung out with. So we don't need to be afraid of the uncomfort. As, as a teacher for myself, that means that I might have to let go a little bit of the control in my classroom, but I have to be aware at all times because if something is said that is hurtful to another student sitting in that classroom, it is my obligation to get in the middle and take the bullet. That has to stop because we're a family. I would... I would love the luxury if, not, if, if something as tragic as the recent shootings in our community occur, that we are enough into the school year where my students know that my classroom is safe and that no one is going to hurt anyone in this classroom, that I am mama bear. We don't have that luxury because we live in a sinful world. And that's another thing that's important. Um, we need to emphasize every one of us sitting in this room is a sinner, every single one of us, including your teacher. Your teacher is no better. And I know that we think that we're the gods of our domain in our classrooms. We're not. Um, But we have to go there. We have to let the kids process. And I would much rather them process in my classroom than process in the locker room or process in the hallway where we have absolutely no control of the dialogue. Yep. And I think I think you touched on a a number of things that are key. Um, And especially the fact of realizing that the dialogue will be had somewhere. Absolutely. Um, I just recently had a conversation with my students over the recent police shootings um, because in the class prior, as they were exiting my room, I'm, we're going through the Book of Romans and we're talking about justice. And somehow I just kind of, you know, here as they're walking out the door that that conversation around the shooting started to stir and it, it went um, through in the hallway. And then I had another class coming right in. But I knew I was like, I got to circle back on that the next day. And we were able to tie that into our discussion of justice. And I think in every subject area, but especially in mind teaching Bible, if we can have conversations about theological 
ideas and realities and all these concepts, but they never touch the ground to be able to talk to something, you know, like these situations and these hard conversations, then, you know, what is, what is it, what is it really all about? Um, we have to be able to bridge those gaps. And for me, part of what helps have those conversations successfully and in a way where everyone is able to glean from it is setting those community norms like we do in our diversity talks. And so for those of you who are listening who may not be familiar with that, when we have discussions as a staff or even if we rope in parents during our diversity meetings, we always begin by establishing our community norms. And essentially, I mean, you can you don't necessarily have to use the exact framework, but the idea is that we make sure that everyone knows that first and foremost, we're all created in God's image. And so we all have intrinsic value that's given to us by God. Um, we're equals. And we also all are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to value each other and take, take each other serious in that way. And so if there's an issue that's bothering one of us, then it's bothering all of us. And we need to you know, take it seriously and address it and continue to make sure that as we go throughout our dialogue that everyone is respected, that we understand the impact of our words may be different than what we intended for them to mean. And so we need to recognize when we've wronged somebody in our speech, even if we didn't intend to. And then all of the information that is shared, we want it to be a safe place. And so, you know, someone shares something that's, you know, rather it's personal or there's, you know, something that happens in the midst of the conversation that, you know, needs to remain in the room like that, you know, stays amongst us as a group. But what we learn from the conversation and the dialogue we take out in implement and and, and share and just I mean you know I did this with a group of eighth graders and just starting off with that the level of maturity that everybody exercised in the conversation that came forth was you know unbelievable you wouldn't have thought you could have that kind of conversation with a group of eighth graders but just setting that stage and I think you know they know that I kind of you know I kind of play and can be lively with them but just coming in with that demeanor of like hey we're about to have a conversation and I'm, tr- I'm trusting you guys, right, because that's huge in the educational process is a trust between student and, and uh, teacher. And it's like, and these are my expectations, and this is what we're going to need to do to have this dialogue. And, you know, it, it went over very well. As a director of diversity who is white, um, yes, I did grow up in another country in Central America, but I am white, and I, I almost have to live by those community norms daily through my life as I try and meet students where they are. And so one of the, you know, the first one is that we will come to it as brothers and sisters or Christ is our for, first and foremost identity. Um, but the second one is one that I've really learned um I'm continuing to learn, but I believe that I'm learning well, is that being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And so if I don't understand something, I'm asking the questions. And in this walk, I've learned that many people just want me to ask the question. They want to be able to respond, and they want me simply to listen. And at first, I had wanted to be the one that would help solve the problems. As the problems grew, of course, I realized I wasn't able to solve all the problems. And then with that, I realized that they don't want me to solve the problems. They just simply want to be heard. We also have speak from the I perspective. We don't make generalizations about people such as they and them. We ask for clarification when we don't understand. And we ask for literacy moments within the, the world that we live in. There's different verbiage used with different topics. And so we're going to ask. We're going to say, you know, I don't 
don't know what that means. Can you help me understand better what that means? And so I think those are important as we go into this walk with our students. Um, One of the things that did come up in a a parent group that I was asking the question to, how do we walk alongside you well when um, shootings like this occur? It was interesting. The parent said, we are intentional on not bringing it up with our third grader, but our third grader is overhearing our conversations as we dialogue. And so it would be helpful for us to know that you just, you're just taking that extra time, just put your hand on their shoulder and just say, I'm here. Are you doing okay? You don't have to mention what's going on. There's kind of an understood undercurrent as to there are things going on in our society and that you care enough just to say, how are you doing? The parents of the older students said, whereas we are great with you bringing it up in small groups, such as our diversity club, our Grace Council, we like it simply mentioned that there are some things going on in our society and we are praying as brothers and sisters in Christ together, they would like that mentioned in large groups for all of our students to understand. And so those were those were things that we hadn't thought through that we needed to do better with. So one of the questions, just practically speaking, like let's let's say I'm the you know, math teacher, right? And all the kids are coming in at 745 in the morning and there was a shooting in Fort Worth the other night. I know it's an issue, right? I've seen it on my, you know, Twitter feed or whatever. Do I say something to students as they walk in? Do I say something only to right uh, students of color because it was a an African American who got shot? Do I say something to all the students? I mean, what does that look like practically speaking? I, I want to engage. I want to let people know right that I value you and I, I think right that you're important. Um, but I also want to teach math. And so what does that look like? And, and before any of y'all respond, I do want to add in that we have to pay in particular attention to that there is diversity within diversity. And so if one person tells me I should respond this way, another person might expect me to respond a completely different way. So we have to understand that while we might feel a certain response is granted, some kids in that room might not feel comfortable with that response. But as a whole, I like to think what y'all feel is the best way for us to respond. I think the number one thing, especially in light of what you just shared, is simply taking the time, especially at a Christian school, to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to pray for our community. And I always try to remind my students of this. Uh, one of my pet peeves is when people say, you know, all I can do is pray. As if, like, prayer is the weakest and last resort of options. And as, as if it's not, like, calling down the hand of mighty God to move um, in our communities. And oftentimes that's probably what we need to do first and foremost before we make any other action. One, it does that. But then two, um, for the students in the room, right, without singling anybody out, without even really having to have, maybe you don't have a close relationship with every student that, that's in that room, or whatever the case may be, the fact that you took the time to stop and pray, right, that is just a representation of like, I'm aware and I care. The same way we would if anything else happened in our country or community or whatever, we say, hey, you know, this, this thing happened. If another teacher on staff isn't feeling well or something, and we all say, hey, let's just stop and we're going to pray and take some time to go before the Lord and then continue with the day. It doesn't have to be this thing where all of a sudden every class becomes commandeered with this super in-depth conversation and you throw your lesson plans to the side, right? It's it's just a matter of just doing the human thing, of stopping, we recognize it, we take it to the Lord, and then we can continue with class. And if there's a student who needs to go further, you've opened yourself up as someone who's safe and concerned to where I can come and we can have further dialogue if need be. 
And I think one thing we've discussed is you need to pay particular attention because we've had situations where we're in a classroom setting. A teacher has said, well, what do you think about the situation to the one student of color? And that is not how it needs to be handled. And so I think you need to pay particular attention to that. Another thing that came out out of the parent meeting where we were simply sitting there to listen was that oftentimes the dominant culture doesn't understand what is taking place in the home during these times. And so one of our dads, a phenomenal dad at our school, said, are we willing as African-American community to educate our brothers and sisters in Christ who are white about how we train our sons in the black community and what that looks like? So I think that as we go through this, it's important for us who don't understand this to, to really engage in this conversation. And to Marcus, would you mind walking us through what this looks like? Yeah. So um, I kind of tackle that on two fronts. First, with just how that conversation has gone with me and then as a new father, um, how I anticipate that that conversation will go with my son, because I think the conversation is changing a little bit. So for me, those conversations, it was much broader than just at home. It was my mom and dad. It was at the barbershop. It was my coaches who were African-American. It was, you know, older, you know, being in middle school, the older high school students, because it was a what now I think seems like as it's becoming in the media, seems like anomalies was the norm. Like I I regularly was hearing of people falsely accused of crimes. I was regularly hearing of friends and peers and family members having, you know, run ins with authorities that were doing nothing wrong. I watched my best friend's dad get drug out of his house having a graduation party and he was doing absolutely nothing. And so it's just these, I think just kind of setting the stage is like these conversations aren't an overreaction to one event. It's a, hey, these things happen regularly and you need to be prepared because it very well could happen to you. And so the conversations will go like one, first it was you need to stay away from trouble, right? If you're not in the space where things are going wrong, there's not even a chance for you to be mixed into it because you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So that looked like, hey, you need to watch, you know, the crowd you're around and, you know, what's going on, because if you're just there, you automatically become, you know, suspect number one, just because you look suspicious. And so I remember abiding by that and making sure that I chose my surroundings carefully and my friends carefully. And then as I started to get older, that conversation started to become, hey, you know, as you start to really when I start driving, whenever you get pulled over, you need to make sure that, you know, you got your hands on the steering wheel. Don't make any sudden movements. My dad told me to keep my wallet and um, stuff to have my important information, like in the center council or something. Don't have it anywhere where you got to dig for it because it's going to take too long and who knows what you're reaching for. So hands on the steering wheel. Have those things prepared when the officer comes to the car. It's, you know, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Do what they say and just comply. Don't ask questions. And that was kind of my go-to. And I had numerous occasions where I was pulled over by police officers driving, walking, and got caught in those situations. And I followed all those rules, and they still did not go very well. At one point, I was at gunpoint with police officers. I just remember that just being one of the most traumatic experiences of my life. And so then as I see these events now in the news, 
it always brings me back to those events where I'm like, okay, if, if I was in that situation, maybe I would have done this. And hear me say that that's not to say that any of the, the victims of these situations have done anything wrong, but the human in me wants to rationalize it to keep from anxiety of like, well, maybe if I would have done this, it would have went different. Maybe if I would have done this, it would have went different. But the more and more of these occurrences have come up, especially in the last two in Dallas, you got one event where a guy's sitting in his own apartment eating ice cream and another event where a young lady is in her living room playing a video game. And it's getting to the point to where now it's like, it's not just watch who you hang around and it's not just be compliant. It's, you know, literally what the neighbor says. I feel like if I had not called the police, she would still be alive. And like for that to even be a statement that has to be said, that's troubling when the protectors and the the safeguard of the community is posing that that kind of a threat to the people that it governs. And just to be honest, like as I think about how this conversation has to be had with, with my son, I'm still trying to figure out what do I say? Because I don't want my son to hate police officers. I also don't want my son to be ignorant. But in a world where if he was, you know, of age where he could ask me questions right now and he says, you know, Dad, what would like what would we do if, you know, we're sitting down, we sit on the couch and play video games, like what how do we respond in those situations? I don't know. And that in and of itself is a reason why I feel like as a community, like we have to come together and recognize the severity of these events that in all due respect, right? saying that officers have a really tough job can't be an excuse for innocent lives that are lost when there are men and women who have done much more petty things who were incarcerated for 30 plus years to life. It's a topic that is is a real reality and a real fear of mine stepping into parenthood. And I just wanna say thank you for being willing to be vulnerable with us and share us your heart and share us your fears and share with us um, what this looks like to you. Um, I think as a school institution, it's important for us to listen well. You are one of our educators, one of our best educators, someone who has incredible influence over our students. You are my friend. You are my brother in Christ. And so if it's important to you, then it's important to me. And so I think that as we continue this, I think we'll continue to have this discussion on podcasts. But the point that we want to get across today is that it's simply really important for us to listen well to our colleagues, but also to our students and to our parents in regards to to how to navigate these uh, this conversation in our schools. So we hope that you will join us next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace 360 with two A's. As always, the views and opinions expressed in the podcast are for educational purposes and are not intended to be divisive or inflammatory in nature. We hope you listened and learned as much as we have in the process of producing the show and pray you'll join us for our next episode. And as always, you can find us on social media at Grace360. That's G-R-A-A-C-E 360.